So far, so good. All right. Well, uh, the rain keeps coming down. Nice place to be is right inside this beautiful building that we have, and praise God for it. And uh, just a couple things I want to bring to your attention. I know uh, Brother Randy is uh, kind of modest in what he has to say about himself, but uh, we want to remember Brother Randy and uh, his prayer in prayer. Uh, come to find out, he's going to have to have a kidney stone removed. And uh, it's already entered into the uh, the tube that goes down to the bladder, but that stone is taking up residence, and so uh, they're going to get ready to remove that. And then after they take that kidney stone out, um, I'm sure it's going to be a little bit of recovery time. Then they're going to go ahead and take out the other stone that's in his kidney. So he needs our prayers at this time while he does that uh, preparation. And uh, so I'm, I know it's got to be painful. And if he comes in rejoicing, he's passed a stone. I know that for a fact, okay? Also, uh, Sister Kennedy, as he made mention, she's not doing real well. Uh, well, she is doing well. She's recovering from her surgery, but I'm sure she's hurting. And so we put, want to pray for Kennedy. And also, all the Prater men as they will be traveling back. And then uh, finally, I did visit with Sister Reva this past uh, week. She was uh, in hospital. And uh, they, they kind of, the doctor said that she had the onslaught of dementia. We're not sure what's going on with uh, Sister Reva completely, but she, uh, she needs our, our attention and our prayers. And uh, giving her a call will be good as well. Finally, if you notice on our prayer sheet, Brother Todd Marks is now back in Kentucky. He's been back for some time. Uh, the main reason is the Peruvian government has gone communist. And so because the Peruvian government has gone communist, they have chased out pretty much all the churches and they've chased out all the Christian aspects of it. So Brother Todd is now uh, in the Versailles area. He's reaching out to the Spanish-speaking peoples. Uh, Brother Todd speaks Spanish very well. I did reach out to Brother Joe Collins today, and uh, we're going to have Brother Todd come in and speak to us. Uh, I want to talk to the men of the church as well, or the congregation. We'll find out when will be the best time for us to do it. So at our next appointed business meeting, we will address that also. So uh, again, pray for Brother Todd, and uh, pray that uh, when the opportunity comes, we'll be able to uh, discuss that clearly. All right, let's take our Bibles. Let's go to the book of Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4, and we're going to be talking on the, or preaching on the subject, the fullness of time. I remember when I was in seminary years ago that uh, the, uh, one of the seminary teachers said, you don't talk about anything. You preach the Word of God. And uh, so every now and then I still make those slip-ups to where I say, well, today we're going to discuss or whatever. But the reality is we want to be preaching on a message that is of grave importance. If you will look at Galatians chapter 4, I know I've used this verse in the past, but we're going to be going here then immediately we're going to turn back to Matthew chapter 3. Look at verse 1. It says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. Now understand, this really is a description of Jesus Christ. When he was a child, he thought as a child, you know, he did the thing, so he was never a sinner. He uh, very much was subject to his parents, except for that one time when, uh, if you will, he went through his own uh, discovery, his own testing at the age of 12, where he was found, you know, with the wise men and things of that nature. Well, let's look at verse 3. Even so we, 
when we were children were in the bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, and that's where we're taking our passage of Scripture, God sent forth the Son, made of a woman, made under the law. And this is something that really um, amazes me, because the more I study it, the more I, I, I see Jesus in his purity, even as Brother Joe read from the book of Psalms today, where it spoke of his uh, descent into, into hell itself and bringing the captivity free. It was amazing. I don't know how many of you all saw it as well, but it was there for us to look at. Look at verse 5. To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Let's now go to Matthew chapter 3. And... uh, I want us to take a look at this particular passage, and we will probably spend most of our time from this chapter today. And I want us to think about this particular moment, beginning at verse 1. In those days came John the Baptist, preaching into the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now, remember this, is that there were many who said, who are you? In John chapter 1, are you Elias? Are you uh, that prophet? Are you? He said, no, I am one that was spoken of out of the book of Isaiah, one that prepared the way of the Lord. And this is exactly what we see out of John. Look at verse 4. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leather girdle about his loins, and his meat was locust and wild honey. Then went out to him, out to him, Jerusalem and all Judea and all the regions round about Jordan, and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who And think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. And now, to the root of the trees, therefore, every tree that is hewn down and cast into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his weed into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Let us pray. Father, again, I just pray that you will help us as we study not only your word, but Lord, I pray that the things that you lay upon my heart might be of great benefit for us to understand the things that are there. I will admit, Lord, that the things that I study earlier, like in the book of Daniel, chapter 7 and 8, those have an impact upon the way that I think about the entire Bible. And yet, Lord, I pray that the message that is given might have its power, may have its presence, may have its place. Help us, dear Father, for not only those that are in the congregation, but those that may be listening in, whether on Facebook or over the radio, whatever may be the circumstance. Help them to understand that we don't lift ourselves up, but we want to lift up Christ high for us to understand 
what he has given for us, what he has done for us, and what we must have in ourselves if we are going to know repentance and truth and all the things that come together so that we might make a difference in this world. So guide us and bless, Lord, and help us in all things as we study thy word. In Jesus' name, amen. I cannot think beyond where I was at this morning. And, and you know, really, when I think about our Sunday services, sometimes it's a struggle. And, you know, a lot of times people say, well, don't you already know exactly what you're going to preach on before you start studying? And the answer is no. You know, I have to ask God to give me the direction and the things that I need to understand. And while I was praying over this message, there was one thing that kept coming to mind. Why more people come to the things of God in a very real way. Now understand this, the, the depiction, and we're going to get there a, a little bit later, but the depiction that we see over and again is what people are looking at us today about. I, I, I understand this, is that we live in a very sheltered valley, we really do. I mean, when I think about the Ohio Valley, and I'm thinking about uh, on the Ohio side, the Kentucky side, here in West Virginia, uh, a lot of people like to refer to us as the Bible Belt. And you know, one person once said that if there is truly a Bible Belt, the buckle is in Kentucky. You know, it's there in Versailles. But we are so close, and, I'm, and I tell people, I say, well, they're almost heaven. They're almost heaven. And, you know, here in West Virginia, we like to think that we're closer to heaven than anybody else. But the truth of the matter is, we can allow things to slip from our hands. We can allow the truth to slip from our guard. And that's what I'm afraid of. I mean, I walk around all the time in my workplace, and I hear people apologize to me because they'll let a curse word slip out, or they use God's name in vain. And they know that I'm a preacher, and they know that I'm a man of God, and they don't want to offend me, yet they have no trouble offending Christ. They have no problem offending God. And so when I think about that, they don't This message goes all the way back to Daniel chapter 8, when the voice said, Gabriel, make him understand. Now, do you realize that here was Daniel, and he was struggling over the things that God gave him. He was struggling over the image that he saw in his dream and, and, and the vision that he had there at Uliah. And so as he looked at these things, he thought, if I can't understand them, how is the world going to understand it? And that's when we find the clarity that Gabriel said, I want you to understand this. And he made him immediately understand the things that were given. When we go out into the world, the first thing is, is that I don't have Gabriel preceding me. I have one that is greater than Gabriel. I have the Holy Spirit preceding me. And yet when I go into the world and I tell others of Jesus Christ, it is what the Holy Spirit takes and explains to a lost and dying world if they are going to be redeemed or not. However, when Jesus came to this world, there was also... Now, let me get this. When they... That
charge that was going to be given to this, this baby that was going to be born. And so here was Zachary. I wrote these down so I wouldn't forget. The first one was Now let me explain this to you. When Aaron was made the If you go back in, there was no such a, a group of people called the Pharisees in the Old Testament. These came about because of the Maccabees. So understand this, is that in the... And they began to understand that they had to keep themselves... Sadducees, because you see they're sad, you see. And the reality is, is that they only believed in the Torah. But even, and here's the thing that really blew me away, even the priest didn't believe what they prayed for. How many of y'all know that? I'm going to give you a prime example of that. Hold your place here, and we're going to go over to the book of Luke, chapter 1. And I want you to get this. <coughs> Luke, chapter 1. In the moment that I saw this, I, I kind of gave a little giggle into myself. And in verse 13, here we find a man by the name of Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, and he is performing his duties in the tabernacle. Look what it says in verse 13. But the angel said unto him, Fear not. I think it's a noble prayer. 
I, my wife and I would like to have a This is the same day. I said to you, God has allowed me to understand that we're going to be a great congregation. I wonder how many people would be scoffing at that right now. Well, what do you mean we're going to be a great congregation? You mean we're going to have a big four-piece band up here? No, we're going to have an eight-piece band. You mean to tell me we're going to have music on the walls? No, we're going to have music in our hymn books. We're going to have music everywhere we want it. You mean to tell me, no, I'm not going to tell you anything because you don't want to believe it. not. You pray. 
reality is, is that for nine months, here was Zacharias. I don't know when, when Elizabeth was, became pregnant. We don't know. But the reality is, is that she was pregnant by the time Mary came on the scene. And she was well into her pregnancy. But the reality is, is that here was a man who was a priest taking care of the things in the temple. And yet, just like Christians today, he did not believe his own prayers. How often do we sit down and pray, God, we know sent from you. There was a shooting yesterday in Dallas. How many of y'all heard about that? There was a shooting in Dallas. A friend of mine let me know that her daughter was in one of the malls that had that shooting. She could have been killed in that shooting. The hedge of God was placed around her and It's funny, I prayed with Kennedy as she was getting ready to have the surgery. But when she got home, I We don't really pray like we believe it. Now, that's a different hobby horse, but let's go get off there. Let's go over to, if you will, to the book of Matthew, chapter 4. This was after the Lord had gone up into the, the quiet place, if you will, fasting for 40 days in the wilderness and being tempted of Satan. And after he leaves, notice what happens in the presence of Satan. Notice what happens in verse 16 of Matthew, chapter 4. Notice that the message was, The people which sat in darkness saw great light. And to them which sat in the region and the shadow of death, light is sprung up. Now, I want you to get this. Who is the light of the world? Are we not? Is that not what we find in the Beatitudes in verse 13 of Matthew chapter 5? We are the light that's supposed to be. We are the salt. We have the message. And the message is, Christ shines in me. I want others to see the light. But look what it says in verse 15. From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. If there is one message that I'd like for everyone to hear today, it is repent. Now here's the thing that's interesting. I no, we don't understand the basis of the word repent. The word repent is a Greek word, metanoia. And it means to think differently or afterwards, reconsider, morally, feel com you know, com compunction, repent. Now let me repeat that because I know I did it. It's, it's metanoio. Metanoio, M-E-T-A-N-O-E-O, and it means to think differently or afterwards, reconsider, morally, feel compunction, repent. Repentance is not just recognizing sin in our life and going to the Lord and saying, please forgive me. It means, Lord, I don't want to be partaker of this sin anymore. Now let me say it again. 
Repentance does not mean that I just ask for forgiveness. It means I recognize my sin and I turn away from my sin to walk forward. Jesus was not just saying to the people, repent. He says, repent, get away from your sin, and is such an amazing thing to me. Go to the Gospel of John, chapter 9. Gospel of John, chapter 9. And I want to show you the change in thinking that had to occur. And see if this does not affect us today. Now watch what, and right there, I want you to see this. John, chapter 9. And let's go down to verse 1. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives. And early in the Let's go to chapter 9. All right. My pages were sticking. Chapter 9. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. Look at the difference in thinking. Look at verse 2. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin? Stop this for a moment. How many of you have ever heard that when we commit a sin, it can be passed on to our family? Come on. We're Baptists. Let's be tell you something that's really sad to me and it hurts my feelings when I hear people over and again say, I'm waiting on you to come back in Randy when you're rejoicing, I know you passed that stone, but anyway <laughs> not yet but here's the thing that really gets me how many times have people looked and said, well you're being burdened because you have committed sin I'm going to be honest with you at one time I used to feel that way I used to think that if I don't give my tithes and offerings exactly, God's going to enact a damage upon me to the point that I will lose my money. Show me that in Scripture. It's not there. This same verse holds into place. Sister Carla, if I can talk about this, Carla and I have talked about it. And women would come to her and say, well, you know, one of the reasons that this had to happen was because there's sin in your life. What's that sin? That's the nature of gossip. But look what Jesus said. Look at this. In verse 3 it said, Jesus answered,
didn't think Gracie was going to make it. That's how sad it was. And if she was here, I would guard my words. I'd be saying. But thank God. But how many of us expected God to answer our prayers? Do you realize the things that are going to happen on this earth are going to happen so God will get the glory, not the excuse? A woman reached out and said, if I could just touch the hem of his garments, his garment, then I know I shall be whole. How did she know that? She had more faith than the apostles. And when the Lord said, Who? What do you mean, Lord? Look at, look at this great crowd. And the woman stood up and he goes, Sister, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Jesus fed the multitudes and they turned on him. The people wanted a God after their own thinking. Man, we want a God. You should expect. You should expect metaneo. Metanoo. You should expect to repent and become the men and women of God that I demand of you. Do you know why people don't want to listen to our testimony? It's because we have allowed our sins to be a part the second word we find in Acts chapter 2 I want you to see this man it, this one hit me right between the eyes as well in Acts chapter 2 go down to verse 40 this was after we see that Peter has preached this magnificent word and many people have already come to know Jesus Christ. But this is the, the crux of the testimony. Verse 40. And many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. I want you to underline the word untoward. And I'm going to let you know what it means. And we still use this word today. The word is scoliosis. The same word we, we speak of a crooked spine, scolioso. And it means to make, or, you know, make crook, that which was crooked straight. If you've ever known anyone that's had scoliosis, as we know it in today's society, they have a twisted back. And some people have been bent over this way, some are, are bent over this way. In other words, it's hard for them to be able to stand up. It's hard for them to be able to have a straight back. And so many times to correct it, a doctor will put a rod in their back to help that, that, that vertebrae that's been twisted out of place make it straighten again. Well, do you realize that the, the, the word is straighten up that which is crooked in your life? That's exactly what we have here. Notice again what it says in verse 40. And many other words will be testifying to saying yourselves from this crookedness in your life. The crookedness of this generation. Now think about the crookedness that I'm speaking of. People had to come out of this mindset of, well, i got to do what the priest tells me to do. Do you realize the priests were teaching that there is no hope unless you do exactly as I say. They were not looking for the coming Messiah. They were not looking for Christ. They were looking unto a man to give them an answer. 
And too often I'll have people come to me and they'll say, well, what do you say, Brother Prater? It doesn't matter what I say. What? Revival. Number two, make straight. In other words, stop teaching your opinion and teaching the Word of God. Get away from the Pharisaical teachings. Get away from the Sadduceal teachings. Go to the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is why when we take a look at verse 41 through 47, it's an amazing feat because there we see the example, not only of the teaching of the Word of God, but we see the Great Commission in its premise. Look at verse 41. Then they they gladly I love that part. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls, and they continued And when we begin to preach the word of God, revival. Let's be honest. It takes time. And then we would go into teaching those that were saved. Man, wouldn't it be great if we had some snotty those kid come to know Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. If we had a dirty for you. I got some extra shoes for you. I will listen to me and answer them. That's revival. Not just how you feel, not what you're expecting, but there is a real growth that is there. Do we see examples of real revival? Oh, absolutely. Over and over again. In fact, one of the things that I see as an example of revival is in Acts chapter 5. I want you to see this. In Acts chapter 5, the religious rulers began to argue, how dare you? I want you to see this. Acts chapter 5, let's go down to verse 28. Notice that they had now brought the apostles, well, verse 27, and when they had brought them, they set them before the council and the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, wait a minute. Weren't these the same people that at the trial of Jesus that cried out, let his blood be upon us. Matthew chapter 27 and verse 25. We want that. No, you are to blame. 
and I'm to blame. You know, there's a beautiful song, The Hammer in My Hand. And it, it goes about a, a, a Roman guard that he was getting ready to see this man put upon the cross. And he goes, who in the world could possibly put the nails into this man's flesh? Who is it that is able? they know not what they do. I don't want his blood upon me in a cursive sort of way, but I want his blood ever on me for my redemption. That's where it is. There's one verse that haunts me. Let's go over there real quick. I know our time is already fleeting by. But let's go to Second Peter. What disturbs me so much about this particular passage in Second Peter chapter 3 <coughs> is what we hear, and it, it kind of lets me think about what people thought before Jesus came to this earth. I mean, think about this. They had 4,000 years to wait for the coming of the Lord. We've only had 2,000 years, and already we don't expect the coming of the Lord. Look at verse 3. And every man that hath this hope, oh, uh, my, my page is stuck together again, I do apologize. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 3, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust. We are in that time right now. We are in that time right now. And saying, where is the promise of his coming? Do we not hear that all the time? Where's the promise? You say he's coming again. I don't see any evidence of it. They don't want to hear the word of God. For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Oh, now there's talking about evolution, and that's supposed to be their creation. Things have not been the same. Things have changed over and again. Look at the flood and the, the marks it left upon the earth. We no longer have the dinosaurs. We no longer have many species that used to walk upon this earth. And people want to try to bring them back. <laughs> Jurassic Park. But the reality is, things are different. And I want the difference to begin with me. Everybody with me? We oftentimes pray, Lord, let revival begin with me. But I wonder how many of us realize that revival isn't ready to begin with me because of where I sit. One last verse. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 19. Boy, this, and, and when I begin to see this, it's not popular, it's not desirable, but it's absolutely true. And I'm sure that if anybody is of a different persuasion, they see this on the video they will probably let me know how much they disapprove, but that's okay. Genesis chapter 19. 
verse 14 it says, And Lot went out and spake to his sons-in-law, which married his daughters and said, Get up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. Look at the last words. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. You know what scares me? I have so many troubles in my life. And I'm trying to live my life which is pleasing to God, though I know I have many sins. But here and now, I want to put all those sins behind me. I want to repent. I really want to have those untoward things made straight. And I don't want to seem like I'm a mocker to people that I come in contact with. My sons, a lot of times, will call me. Man, I love every moment I have with my boys. Tony in Germany, Jeremy down in Florida, Tim in Kentucky, Joseph down in Georgia. And I want them to know how much that I want them to see Christ in a very real way in me. Everything that I have belongs to God. But more than anything, I want souls saved for Christ. And it's not going to happen as long as others see me sitting in Sodom's gates. If they see me as being a mocker, they'll never believe me if I don't uphold what God has given me. Let me ask you today, how does God see us? Are we ready to truly repent? Are we really ready to walk the straight way, not the crooked? Are we really ready to be what Christ would have for us to be? That is the only hope, the only hope we have left upon this earth. Father, again, I want to thank you for the message, and I pray that it might be a blessing to all those that have heard it. Now we pray that you will guide us and keep us as we dismiss in these services. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. Brother Randy, if you will come forward.